The following presentation is controversial and may be offensive to some audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Ah, oh, what's happening? Thanks for joining us. Caboose Pistol Pod 13. John Lund with you. KMBR Radio in San Francisco. You can hear my show with the voice of the 49ers, Greg Papa, weekdays. KMBR.com. If you're not in the Bay Area, if you are, just turn on uh, 680 or 104.5 FM. I am there from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Weekdays, Monday through Friday. CaboosePistol.com. If you want more about the stories that we talk about on the podcast, CaboosePistol.com is the place. Write-ups, video, podcast archives, at CaboosePistol on Twitter. I'm at John Lund Radio on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please tell your friends, subscribe, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere you find your favorite podcast. If you're new to the podcast, this is what we do. We'll give you a big lead, which is the big story of the day. Five stories after that, that, so you can be a contributing member of society. The asshole of the day, but then we always equal that out with one good thing. We'll give you three, count them, three finale podcast or caboose pistol stories. Three finale caboose pistol stories. And if you don't know, by the way, why we market this whole thing, brand this whole thing as Caboose Pistol. Just go to CaboosePistol.com. As I said, there's an About tab on the menu, and it will explain everything. Without further ado, it is time for Podcast 13 and the Big Lead. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Big lead today, college football, whether it's the Big Ten and Pac-12, which you're talking about not playing, or Alabama saying we're going to play in Michigan and Ohio State, Nebraska. All the big boys are saying, whoa, 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 we're playing. We're playing football. First and foremost, before I explain my thoughts on all of this trying to play college football thing, here is the head coach at Nebraska. And let me, let me back up for a second. When I was in college, I went to Utah State University, a, a, a powerhouse, a juggernaut in football, in college football. And one of the first, I, I've been doing this over 20 years, I've covered, and I'm not saying this, I'm just giving you context on this, NBA Finals, NHL Stanley Cup, Super Bowls, just, it, it, at that point though, I had covered nothing, literally. Maybe the second thing I had gone out of town for, it was a Nebraska football game, and Utah State was just one of those sacrificial lambs. You get $750,000, you get slaughtered, thank you very much, and you go home with your tail between your legs. So I walk into this place, and it is red. The entire state of Nebraska is there. They're yelling things I've never even heard of. They got those those hats with the corn on them and all those kind of – I mean, it's insane. It was back in their heyday where they're going to national championship games, and we're talking Tommy Frazier and Mike Rogier and, I mean, all the big names. Dean Steinkuhler, if you're going back with me, you know what I'm talking about. The offensive line and – it just it, Nebraska was what maybe Alabama is now. It was just it was intimidating. It was ridiculous. It was let's get out of here, get your check. Guys are going to get hurt anyway. So I understand where Scott Frost, he's a former quarterback at Nebraska, is coming from. I understand the state. I understand that other than corn, Nebraska football is everything in the state of Nebraska. So this is Scott Frost today saying we want to play football at Nebraska. Our football players want to play. Uh, the coaches want to coach. We want to play football this year at the University of Nebraska. Um, you know, from the beginning of this, we've respected the virus, leaned on the help of the medical experts that we've had access to, a great partnership with UNMC and people that know a lot about this. Um, we, we've leaned on their expertise, leaned on their guidance. Um, our players feel safe they feel taken care of, uh, and they want to play. I think what's kind of being missed in a lot of these conversations is what the world looks like, what universities look like, and what the lives of our kids look like if we don't play football. And I haven't heard a lot of people talk about that. Um, but what does the world look like without football? You know, a lot of people around the country are going to point to the fact that all these decisions are going to be financial. Uh, let's skip past that for a second. Let's skip past the fact that the University of Nebraska Athletic Department will lose 80 to $120 million if we don't play football. That's where I want to stop with Scott Frost. That's what we're talking about. Every single sport, professional, 
college, high school, peewee, little league, whatever it is we've talked about through this pandemic has all been about money. Because if it was about safety, and, and it, let me back up again too. I respect the virus. He uses the word that he respect the virus. I'm not freaking out over it. I'm respecting it. I'm not one of those, ah, I can't leave my house. I'm kind of in the middle on all this, uh, on all of it. I absolutely respect it. I wear a mask. I completely respect this thing. But for college football to think, other than financial, that there's any reason. I heard Nick Saban today say, what are they going to do when they're at home? They're better with us. No, they're not. This is a complete financial decision. Why is it that Ohio State has come out and said they're going to play no matter what? And Michigan, all the big boys are coming out and saying, look, we're playing. Now, the one thing I do respect in this whole thing is, that, and, and you know this, but I'm just reminding you, that athletic departments all across the country, the major gener revenue-generating sport is football. So it's going to hurt a lot of these universities, a lot of these colleges, a lot of these schools if they don't play football because how are the other sports going to survive? How are the non-generating, uh, revenue-generating sports going to survive? That's a heck of a good question. But don't tell me, Scott Frost, Jim Harbaugh, Nick Saban, uh, any of these guys coming out and say this. It's not in the best interest of the quote-unquote student-athlete. It's not. To play football, a physical sport at the NFL level, I'm sure you're watching, and we'll get more into this as Podcast 13 at CaboosePistol.com continues. But it's, it, it's not about the student-athlete, so don't say that. It's not about keeping the kids safe. It's not about that. Here's the issue with college football. And by the way, the, this whole crock that's come across of Anybody in the sports media wants to see sports fail. Let me tell you something. That's how I've made my living for over 20 years. It's how I'm sending my kid to college. It's how I'm paying my ex-wife. It's how I'm putting food in everyone's mouth. I don't want sports to go away. We did months of non-sports. We can do it. It's just a lot more fun to do it with sports. It's how we got into this business. So for anybody to say we don't want sports is flat-out ridiculous. It's flat-out ridiculous. I want sports. I'm not against sports. I'm not, I'm not so caught up in the coronavirus that I can't think and I'm so scared that I'm staying in my house. But when I look at college football trying to play, the NFL protocols, which cost a ton of money, can't be done at the college level. They just don't have the money to do it. They just don't. I don't care what Clemson's playing, paying Dabo. I, they cannot do the, the proper protocols for college football. That's one. Number two, we're talking about 18 to 22-year-old kids. So professionals in an NBA bubble are struggling at times to just go back to their hotel room. Uh, NFL football players are going to struggle. We're seeing baseball players every single day. We just saw it with the Indians where those a couple of their players uh, snuck out. 18 to 22-year-old kids, because I've been there, are not going to say, you know what, we're just going to hang out in the dorm and play checkers. When you're 18 to 22, your hormones are raging. You're not going to be able to do it. But the, the, the biggest thing to me is, as a society, and Sean Doolittle said something to this effect, the Washington Nationals closer uh, about a month or so ago, sports are essentially the dessert of society. Because you have a well-functioning, well-oiled machine in society that's when you get sports. You don't get to eat the cheesecake first and the broccoli second. You didn't eat your vegetables. That's how it worked in my house. You don't eat the vegetables. You don't eat the Brussels sprouts. You don't eat the broccoli. You don't eat the peas. You don't eat the carrots. Then you don't get the cheesecake. You don't get the chocolate cake. You don't get the chocolate cake first and then say, you know what? I'm too full. I can't eat the Brussels sprouts. COVID-19, wearing a mask, being social distance, being responsible as a society is the Brussels sprouts, is the peas, the peas and carrots. Uh, whatever it is that you don't, the cauliflower, that's what it is. And then as a result of that, you get the cake. Ooh, this is tasty. That's college football Saturday. Have we earned that? Probably not. It's all about finances. It's all about trying to make the entire budget of the athletic department work. I understand all those things. But when I hear these guys come out and say that we're going to protect the kids, you're not going to protect the kids. How exactly? Do you have the protocols? Have you heard anything about it? Oh, by the way, the seasons, what is today? Today, as of this recording, is August 10th. We're not even close. And we're supposed to be, what, a couple of weeks away from college football starting? 18 to 22-year-old kids being responsible? Yes, I'll go back to my dorm room and I'll just play checkers. No, you will not. No, you will not. Protocols aren't in place. They're not going to be safer. It's all about the finances. It's all about the money. That's why you want to play. 
Do I want to watch college football on Saturday? Yes, more than anything. My weekends in the fall when it's college football on Saturday, and I cover the NFL, and I work from probably 8 in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. I do a national show on ESPN to wrap up the NFL. It's busy for me, but I love it. I'd rather be nowhere else. I love Saturdays because that's my only day off of the week in the fall. I sit in front of my TV. I watch everything. I may partake in a bet or three. I love the whole thing about it. But my logical side, right, whatever side of that brain is, I forgot, right, left, left, right, tells me that as I'm watching the NFL, they're trying to get it right. We'll see. The NBA is in a bubble, working. The NHL is in a bubble, working. We'll see with Major League Baseball. They're having major troubles. And they are professional players trying to drop a check, trying to stay in their hotel rooms, and by and large, probably not being effective. College players with little protocol, coaches trying to get paid, athletic departments trying to get trying to survive. It's all about the finances. And oh, by the way, let's try to keep these kids safe. I don't see college football working this fall. I just don't. And I'm not talking about canceling it. Postpone it to the spring. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it we've always done it this way. But one thing that COVID-19 has has taught us all. We're going to have to change. We're going to have to move. I feel bad for the kids that have worked out. I don't know what's going to happen in the spring. I don't know if we're going to be any better. But I just know this. We haven't eaten our broccoli. We haven't eaten our Brussels sprouts. And we don't deserve the chocolate cake. That's your big lead. So along those same lines, five stories you got to know so you can be a functioning member of your society. John Lund, KMBR Radio in San Francisco with you on pod number 13. Story number one is exactly what I just described. Okay, there's no college football on Saturday. It's the big bad NFL. We've talked about this on my show on KMBR for years. Would you want NFL games just about every night of the week or would that be overkill? Here's ESPN's Adam Schefter with a thought. There would be a window of opportunity for the NFL to adjust its schedule, and it could move games to Saturday nights. There might be networks that would want programming on Friday nights because of the lack of content that they currently have at this point in time. So everything would be wide open. The sports world essentially would stop in October. You have hockey coming to an end in early October, basketball mid-October, baseball late October as it's currently scheduled. All right, so there's Adam Schefter. So let's go through this logically. Monday nights, we've already got covered. That's football. Thursday nights, we've got football. Sundays, we've got football. The thing that has always confused me, and I just said, we've got to get away from when it's COVID-19 in sports, this is what we've always done. One of the things that's always confused me as far as NFL coverage is concerned is you've got a morning window where a lot of games get kicked off, and you have an afternoon window where a lot of games get kicked off. I want to see all the games. Now, the Red Zone channel may have a problem with what I'm going to propose because the Red Zone channel has actually become more popular from a rating standpoint than the games themselves. But could you imagine if we had a game on Monday? Okay, take Tuesday, Wednesday off. We play on Thursday. Friday, you're not going to have high school football. You have a Friday night game. Saturday, not going to have Saturday college football. You have a Saturday night game. So I'm taking two games away from the Red Zone channel, and they're not going to be happy, but they, you know, look, money fixes everything so they can be compensated. And then you have less games to worry about on Sunday, and you can watch a lot more games, and then you have your Sunday night game. So Sunday's full, Monday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Five of the the seven days of the week are going to have NFL football. They're going to get huge ratings. Go look at it. I've uh, Maybe one of the first few podcasts that we did, we talked about sports ratings. The NFL usually has about the top 20 to 25 sports uh, ratings winners of the year every single year, and it's not even close. If you're a TV network and you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, how can we make money back? Because, look, they may have to cancel some games. You're obviously not going to have a crowd. The NFL's scratching their head, and they're going, okay, how do we get more revenue? Put more games, more times of the week, get more advertisers. Look, I don't know how all the money works in terms of the, all the nickels and dimes, but to me, here's the question to you, because you're the listener. You don't care about any of that, right? They're making millions. They're making billions, whatever. But the question is, can there be a burnout factor as far as NFL games are concerned. So do you like it Sunday and it's all the games and you either got to watch the Red Zone channel or flip around, you got to buy the DirecTV package with all the games. 
Or would you say to yourself, look, Sunday's great. A couple of less games that I have to worry about. Uh, Monday night, obviously. I've always been an advocate, by the way, of two Monday night games and early and a late like they do to kick it off at the beginning of the year. I don't know why they don't do two games. I've covered them. They've done fine. Ratings-wise, they go through the roof. Everything blows through the roof when it comes to the NFL. So then Thursday, okay, you do that game. Friday, you do it again. Saturday, you got another one there. And then Sunday. Now, look, your significant other may not like this idea very much because you're basically going to be watching NFL whether you're sitting on a couch or a recliner, whether you've got it uh, in church or somewhere else or at dinner, and you're going to have your phone in front of you. But five of the seven days per week, is that overkill or would you salivate at the idea? That is number one. Uh, Over the weekend, the PGA Championship was near me in San Francisco at Harding Park TPC, and we'll get into a couple of different issues in regards to it. But one thing I do love, and again, this is another revenue generator for TV. You're welcome. I love Hot Mike TV. Justin Thomas, after his excellent approach shot, ran all the way toward the back of the green for birdie. Dude, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Well. (laughs) Sorry. Anderson beats that one into the ground and flip to Garcia for the out. John Peterson, you can hear because the stadium is empty. Upset with himself. I don't know, maybe I'm sophomoric, but I like it. One of the things I was looking forward to and not having crowds was to actually hear the games. Now, beyond that, Justin Thomas. Uh, from the PGA Championship in San Francisco over the weekend was the first one. Justin Turner was the second one. Joe Davis from the Dodgers uh, TV network. And then Jock Peterson, you heard Carl Ravage from ESPN. Again, maybe I'm sophomoric. I think it's funny. I think it's funny when Justin Thomas misses a makeable putt because that's my golf game every single hole. If I don't curse 18 times, I was thinking I only curse 18 times over 18 holes. No way. Times up by, what, four? What's that, 72? I was told there was no math on this podcast. I think that's 72. Probably 72 to 100 times, and that's not even telling stories with your buddies as you're playing. I think it's funny. I think it's interesting. I would like to hear more. In fact, my idea is, have you ever watched the the, the different uh, broadcasts, whether it be an NCAA championship, a basketball game, or the, or the uh, national championship in football in college, and they do those different... Uh, channels. One's like an analyst channel where all the coaches are breaking everything down. But my favorite is they have one where it's just casual guys. And sometimes Jay Billis will be sitting in or Bill Walton will be sitting in for the college football national championship game. And they just kind of shoot the shit. They just kind of hang out, talk the whole time. To me, if you had a channel in which it was a cable, you know, just a, a, you know, you told the audience, look, this is not for the faint of heart. You're going to hear profanity. If you're offended by said profanity, then don't listen, don't watch this channel. I, I don't know. I'll pay $19.95 a month. I don't know what it would cost. It would probably cost more than that. Maybe the players wouldn't want it. You've heard guys complain, but most of the guys, they understand. In fact, I think their value would go up. I think their Q rating would go up. I think that they could sell more. Look, John Daly, guys like that, it, 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 we're trying to relate to you, the average man, the every man. That's what we're trying to do. We curse on the golf course. We curse when we miss a shot. We curse when we miss a throw. Like everybody does that. We know that we know you do that. I don't know if it would work. I don't know if anybody would get behind it. I like hot mic TV. I've enjoyed it. I don't know about you. Uh, speaking of the PGA Championship, Colin Morikawa won the PGA title at 23 in only his second major start. He went to Cal Berkeley, which is in Northern California. Harding Park TBC is in San Francisco, so it was a great day for him. But the thing that was most interesting was the reporter, after he won, asking him this question. Steph Curry. Uh, yes, uh, Stephen Curry with uh, underrated media. I'm just working title. <laughs> just uh, started about an hour ago. Um, question for you around you coming down the stretch in the back nine of a major. Everybody knows, uh, you know, that that's the moment that you go go take it. Are you a leaderboard watcher? Did you know where you were? Like, what's your mindset in that moment? You know, the last two and a half hours of your round. Steph, you mind taking off your hat? I, I think everyone just you wants to see I'm you. right here. Yeah, there you, you go. Wow, that's that amazing, man. <laughs> uh, no, it's fun to see you. I saw you out there um, on nine. And my, my caddy's a huge Warriors fan. I think you heard him. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> or I'm a uh, L.A. boy at heart. Um, Respect. But, yeah, Respect. you know, I, I do look at leaderboards. 
<laughs> First of all, give it up to Colin Morikawa, 23 years old. Steph Curry standing right there, one of the biggest superstars in the world, sports superstars in the world. And he says, look, my caddy's a Warriors fan. I'm not. L.I. boy at heart. And you heard Curry go back and go, respect, respect. Two things. Uh, Morikawa, to have it all at 23, awesome. And I'm not trying to rain on his parade. It's just every time a young guy comes up, he's going to be the next this. He's going to be the next that. That's all I read all, all day long. Let's see. All right. I, I love the story. I think it's great. Congratulations to him. But we'll see. Everybody, everybody in the media is trying to tag the guy the next this, the next that. Let's just see. He won the PGA Championship. Give him a ton of credit for that. But let's just see. As far as Steph Curry is concerned, I can see why other NBA players are jealous of him. I've always wondered why. You know, he had a great upbringing. He had the NBA dad. There's a sense of silver spoon, even though this guy has worked his butt off. He looks like an average, the average man, and he's worked his butt off. But think about this. All right, there he is at the PGA Championship. He avoided the NBA bubble this year after winning a bunch of championships, and it just so happens that they're not very good. Next year, they're going to have a top pick. We'll find out soon when they do the lottery, but they're going to have a top five pick at worst, maybe a top one pick. Maybe Giannis loses, and it's another Durant situation. He goes to the Warriors. wouldn't surprise me at all. I guess my point is he's probably the most trusted as far as an athlete endorser is right now. If there's such a thing as someone who's not going to screw up your brand, Steph Curry would probably be it. He's probably got the best life ever. And then you look, I mean, he was talking to uh, Dr. Fauci during early in the pandemic. It just seems that everything that Steph Curry touches uh, turns to gold. And as I watch him, he's even humble. It's a pretty amazing situation, but that was a pretty fun situation uh, at the PGA Championship. Speaking of the Warriors, Draymond Green found out what it was like. Now, the one thing is, the Warriors forward, if, if, you, love the, if you like the Warriors, you love Draymond Green. If you don't like the Warriors, you hate Draymond Green. So he's a Charles Barkley type of guy, and it would not surprise me. They brought him on for the arena. He did uh, pretty well in that. The one thing that he has that a lot of athletes don't until a few years go, and they don't know as many guys in the league, is they just won't criticize. They won't criticize guys. They won't criticize play because everybody's got the same agent. They're doing a Chunky Soup commercial. They're all buddies, all this kind of stuff. They're high five and they're hugging. It didn't used to be that way. And I'm not that guy. I'm not get-off-my-lawn guy. They can do whatever they want. It doesn't bother me. What I'm saying is Draymond Green playing, and he's on TNT now, and I'll play, a, play you a cut because he just got fined $50,000 for his comments, but he's that rare guy that while he's playing, he'll say whatever he wants about the players and just his comments be damned. He really doesn't care. A lot of players, you're seeing these guys retire. Dwayne Wade, for example. They're not going to say anything. He's buddies with LeBron. He's buddies with Chris Paul. He's buddies with a bunch of guys around the league. Charles Barkley is away, has been away from the league, obviously, for so long that he'll just say whatever. Shaq has been away so long, he'll say whatever. Draymond Green will say whatever, but he's got to learn until he's done. He's still under the jurisdiction of the NBA, and he got fined $50,000 for this. Going 4-0 so far. It's great to see Book playing well and Phoenix playing well, but get my man out of Phoenix. It's, it's not good for him. It's not good for his career. Sorry, Chuck. But uh, wow. book, they got to get Book out of Phoenix. I need my man to go somewhere where he can play great basketball all the time and win because he's that type of player. Are you tampering? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if I'm, first of all, if I'm Draymond Green, I'm going to Ernie Johnson and I'm saying, you owe me 25 grand. You're going to pay half this. You have to pay half. You just said, is this tampering? Now, look, Draymond Green just signed a $100 million extension. $50,000 is not exactly what it is to you and I. I don't know what the equivalent is, and I'm too lazy to do the math. Maybe it's a couple hundred bucks. Whatever it is, it's fine. He sent out a, uh, a laughing emoji. It's not a big deal to him, but he still is under the uh, large hand of the NBA. Now, let me defend Phoenix for a minute. Not only is Phoenix a great place. We all know that. Scottsdale, you don't want to go there in the middle of the summer, but... The one thing that Draymond Green does forget, the Golden State Warriors, along with the Clippers, were the epitome of horrible for about 25 years. The Warriors and the Clippers were fighting for the bottom spot. And then they get Curry, and they get Green, and they get uh, Harrison Barnes, and they get Durant, and they get Iguodala, and all of a sudden, they haven't always been good. Now, I don't mind guys jumping around. I didn't mind when Durant jumped around. Guys can go wherever they want. LeBron went to Miami. I was upset. Do what you want. Make a super team. It's fine with me. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. However, 
if 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 Devin Booker wants to stay in Phoenix, which is a great city, I mentioned Scott De- Scottsdale, which is a great city, and Aiton is there, and guys are going to want to play there. Like it, things evolve. If the guy wants to stay in Phoenix, stay in Phoenix. Now their owner Robert Sarver is is not a good guy. All right, get new ownership. That's what happened, by the way, with the Warriors. The one thing it's not talked about is they got new ownership. They made a lot of good decisions. And all of a sudden, they got really, really good. Now, they already had Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, but then they made some great draft picks, great trades. The Phoenix Suns have been good at some points of their existence. If Booker wants to leave, that's fine. He's going to force his way out. But Phoenix is not the worst place to play. I could think of a lot of worse places to play. And finally, number five on the list, speaking of TNT, Chuck and Shaq got into a Clippers or Lakers showdown the other night. Take a listen, and then we'll discuss. Again, with no crowd, no clear court, home court advantage. If you got the Clippers focus and the Lakers focus with LeBron, I'm a, it's going seven, and then I'm going to go with the Lakers over seven. Because remember, I'm telling you what the Lakers are doing now. They got the first spot clinch. They relaxing. They just going to relax, and then two days before the playoffs start, you start to wind it up. And then after game one, which is always the fill-out game, then it's turned back on. Then you know what you got to do. Go ahead. I'll, I'll let Chuck answer this. Yeah, yeah, you don't like the question, Kenny. Yeah, I don't like uh, the question. Uh, I think the Clippers are going to win. Uh, they're going to be, if they play, I think, I love the Clippers. I think for a couple reasons. Number one, they got two guys that can guard LeBron, and he's got to guard them on the other end. He's going to have his hands full every night with Kawhi or Paul George. And at 35 years of age, I think that's a lot to ask. Let me widen out the lens a little bit, and then, of course, with Shaq and a little bit of Kenny and a little bit of EJ and Chuck, and they're going back and forth, Lakers or Clippers. And I do think in the West it's going to be Lakers and Clippers. But the one thing that Charles said there, and I I agree with him in that I think the Clippers are going to win this thing in the West, and then they're going to take on Milwaukee, and I'm not sure who's going to win that one. But just for the sake of this conversation, I do think it's going to be Clippers because I think it's depth. I think Kawhi is going to turn into the robot that he is in the playoffs. Paul George is going to step up, and then you got those guys, Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, who's returned to the bubble, coming off the bench. I think it's going to be tough. Now, having said that, and I don't want to play both sides of the fence, but having said that, I wouldn't put anything past LeBron James, even at the age of 35, because whether you want to debate, and I don't, whether Jordan was better or Kobe was better or LeBron was better, the one thing I know about all those guys, anybody you could put on a Mount Rushmore of great NBA players is you never put it past them. Because they can kick it into overdrive, and I think Kawhi's there. I think Kawhi is that good. I just don't think he's on that Mount Rushmore of these guys. But you never put it past Jordan. I covered those series. You never put it past Kobe. And you never put it past LeBron. Because those guys can kick it into another gear that nobody else has. We saw it with Kawhi last year, and maybe he can do it again on a new team. But I wouldn't ever count out LeBron. But the one thing I want to talk about with what Chuck said there, because I, I was reading this today, and I'm saying, they realize they're in a bubble, right? I've enjoyed the bubble stuff so far, by the way. I've, I've enjoyed bubble NBA basketball. It's been a little bit sloppy at times. Yeah, but I think they've done an amazing job in putting everything together, both on and off the court. Black Lives Matter, getting the uh, social justice word out because a lot of players were saying, wait a minute, can we do both? Can we play? Can we keep the message going? I, I love the court. I like the jerseys. I like the, the the PSAs. I like everything that they've done to this point and what they'll continue to do. So whether it's on the court, whether it's keeping messages alive, Black Lives Matter, equality in our country, uh, the play, the look, uh, on TV, Harlan, Reggie Miller, all these guys, the way they've set it up with the partitions and everything, I think the NBA, A+. Plus. Uh, grades were never my thing, but A+. Plus. I think it's amazing. But I keep hearing people talk about seeding in these playoffs. The Clippers get an advantage in the seating here because if the Clippers had home games against the Lakers, they would still be Lakers games. I've been pl- I've been to plenty of Lakers and Clippers games. I'm in Northern California. I'm originally from Southern California. The Clippers have no fan base. There are certain places, the Cubs and the White Sox, the A's and the Giants, uh, the New York Giants, New York Jets, all these kind of things. The Clippers, as far as a big brother, little brother, syndrome are the littlest of the little brothers so they would have had games dominated by lakers fans that's just how it is i've never been to an arena in which there was less gear you go to a lakers game tons of gear you go to warriors tons of like, all over the country no matter the team i went to a clippers game about a year ago on a friday night it was it was just date night it was date night and and 
you're looking around going, nobody's in Clippers gear. So those home games, quote-unquote, for the Clippers, would have been Lakers fans dominating the arena. That's what it would have been. So the Clippers get an advantage because there is no home court advantage. You're not playing in front of anything. They can pump it up, and they can have virtual fans. It doesn't matter. You can have certain things on the court. It's going to be completely neutral. We've never seen anything like it. The fascination factor to me in no home court, because we've always said that, who would win in a neutral court? Now we're going to know. And to me, a big advantage for the Clippers is they're not going to have a bunch of Lakers fans at their home games. It's going to be different. Maybe you know next year if we can get this thing under control, then there is going to be home court. But as far as a seating is concerned, it really doesn't matter. Now, I don't want to agree with Charles Barkley because he keeps saying that Portland's going to the NBA Finals. It's the second year in a row. He keeps rolling the dice on it, and it's not going to happen. But as far as the Clippers and the Lakers, big-time advantage to me to not have that home court. And then as far as seating is concerned, there is no seating. It's it's neutral court. Now, would you would you play a certain team? Somebody was telling me this on my show the other day. Well, they'd have to go through the Rockets first or this team or that team. Like, you're eventually going to have to play those teams anyway. And the Clippers and the Lakers aren't afraid of the Rockets. They're not afraid of any upstart team in the West, whether it's Denver or Utah, any of those teams. It's going to be the Clippers and the Lakers. Now the Bucks is a different story. But to me, high fascination factor for what Charles Barkley said there, which is there is no home court advantage. How is that going to be different in the playoffs? It's going to be fascinating this year. All right, those are the five stories you got to know to be a contributing member of society. Clippers or Lakers, Colin Morikawa wins the PGA title at 23, and Steph Curry is there with the questions. Draymond Green, speaking of the Warriors, find $50,000. I think he's going to be the next Charles Barkley, but he's got to wait to give the real comments until he's out of the league, or he's got a $100 million contract, and he just doesn't care. I love Hot Mike TV. In fact, if they're looking for... Uh, more revenue, a way to generate more revenue in all the sports, have a separate channel, I say. And would you want NFL games every night if they don't play college football? You heard Adam Schefter there. Would you think it was overkill or not? By the way, before we go to the A-hole of the day on the Caboose Pistol podcast, number 13, caboosepistol.com to check everything out, I did forget to say, if you want to reach out to the show, all you have to do is email hey, H-E-Y, Hey, at caboosepistol.com, and you can contact the show that way. I'll read all the best stuff. And I got a phone line set up. All you have to do is hit up 508-296-4949, 508-296-4949. Love to hear your voice in the podcast. If you want to leave a message, I will I will uh, use the best ones on the podcast. All right, today's Asshole of the Day. He's an asshole, sir. Major asshole. How many assholes we got on this ship, anyhow? Yo! What an asshole! You're a special kind of asshole. What an asshole! Because you're an asshole. Asshole. What's his name? Oh, this is an easy one. This is the easiest one we've had the whole time. Asshole of the day. His name is Alex Sintron. He is the uh, hitting coach for the Houston Astros. If you didn't see this on, um, was it Sunday afternoon as I was... uh, Flipping channels between the PGA Championship and other things, other sports, which felt really good, by the way. On my TV, I flip over and I see the A's and the Astros, and I see Ramon Laureano, who you may not know, but is an underrated cog for the Oakland A's, their center fielder, and he gets hit by a pitch. It was the third pitch he had been hit by in the last two days, and he was kind of upset, and he was yelling back and forth, and we all know the story with the Houston Astros and uh, Joe Kelly got suspended eight games, the cheating, how are you going to pay him back? Unwritten rules. You're hitting their guys. They're hitting your guys. And obviously the Astros and the A's are fighting in the AL West. So there's a lot of, uh, things boiling over in Oakland on a sunny day on Sunday. Well, Laureano gets to first base and Cintron is, the, is uh, a hitting coach with the Astros and he starts yelling at Laureano, and apparently he said some things about his mother, and it was on. Bench is clear. I wouldn't call it a brawl. It's really never a brawl in sports. A couple of things happen. A few curse words you could see because, like I said, I love uh, hot mic TV, so you can hear it because there's no fans. They break everything up, and Laureano is expected to get a big-time fine. But you're not supposed to say anything about someone's mama. I think that's an unwritten rule in baseball. Unwritten rules are hard to come by. Here is Laureano, though, on what happened, which caused him to lose his cool. So, hey, I'm a man. I'm a freaking man. Uh, I'm, I, whatever happens, happens. I'm, I'll take it. 
and uh, I couldn't keep my cool, and I should have. And I wasted my time with that guy. It was a, and uh, I don't think anybody would take it lightly. And uh, yeah, it's just a tough situation, you know. I reacted that way. Uh, unfortunately, it's in a during a very uh, hard times when it comes to come to uh, social distancing and uh, during the pandemic and stuff like that. Obviously, I look like like a very smart guy, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just uh, when you're very emotional, especially when it's about your mother, uh, it's always tough. Loriano continued to say that uh, he that uh, Cintron said to him, "quote unquote," something in Spanish you don't say about my mother. Ultimately, Lariano, as you heard, says he wishes he had chosen not to run towards the Astros dugout, and this is the best quote, and waste his time on Citron. Quote, I regret charging him because he's a loser, unquote. He told that to ESPN. He says a suspension is understandable, but I hope it's not that many games. Well, I'm just, I I, I don't know what it's going to be, and I'm recording this on the night of August 10th, Podcast 13, and I was told by someone who covers the A's and knows things pretty well that it's going to be between 10 and 15 games, which sounds about right. And look, it doesn't matter if it's over 162 or whether it's over 60. It was just talked about in Major League Baseball that they're going to tighten down these protocols. You can't be charging a guys. Joe Kelly got the eight games for throwing at the Astros. This is going to be 10 to 15, and it doesn't matter what was said about your mother. And I respect that. And you don't want to say anything about your mother. And again, I think that's an unwritten rule in baseball, but he's going to get 15 games. But he's not going to be the asshole of the day because that's going to be the guy who hid after saying those vile things about his mother. He chose to hit, hide behind other players and coaches. That is Astros hitting coach Alex Cintron, today's asshole of the day. I'm an asshole and I'm proud of it. Ah, uh, yes, but we always equal it out. We don't want you to be angry in the Caboose Pistol podcast. Nobody has to be angry. We always even it out. So we get the asshole of the day, Alex Cintron, and he earned it easily. But we have, actually, we don't have one good thing. We have two good things. Let me explain. All right, very simple. We come up with one good thing. To offset the asshole of the day. You know Mike Trout. He just turned 29 years old. But on Monday night, he hit two home runs. He's quick to the ball. He's 29 years old. He's only been in the postseason one time. He's 3-for-15 career. He plays late-night West Coast games. The Angels beat the A's 10-9. to And it ended 10-30 West Coast time. That's 1.30 a.m. in the East. Nobody saw the best player in the East. Probably not in the Midwest, it's 12.30. Probably not in the Mountain Time Zone, it's 11.30. Nobody saw the best player to play in the last 25 years at least, and it's a shame. It's a shame, and he's in L.A., but he's not really in L.A. because he doesn't play for the Dodgers. He plays for the Angels, Mike Trout. That is hammered out to left field. No doubt about it, he's done it again. Big fly for Mike Trout, and the Angels are on top, 10-9. to A breaking ball, and Trout covered it. What a game for Trout. Solo shot here, two home runs, now seven home runs on the season. Mike Trout, not one, but two good things because he hit two home runs on Monday night. He just turned 29. Nobody sees him play. That game ended at 10.30. That's 1.30 a.m. in the East, and it's a shame. I have nothing against the Angels. They're the second team. Uh, in L.A., I have nothing at all against the Angels, but I do wish Mike Trout played on a different team because I would. I'd like to see that swing, that quick to the ball. One was a fastball that he absolutely hammered. It was a no-doubter into the sky. There was a hanging curveball was the second one, which won the game. It was a 9-9 tie, and the Angels came back from 9-4. But Mike Trout's amazing. He almost opted out uh, because his uh, wife just had a, had a, a child, a young son, and uh, he, he just doesn't get enough credit. He's, you don't see him in the postseason. He plays on the West Coast. He plays for the second team in L.A., and he likes it that way. He doesn't like to do a lot of endorsements. He doesn't like to do a lot of talking, and I understand that. And I'm not asking him to be to 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 play for the Yankees or something like that. I'm surprised that he hasn't already, but that's just not Mike Trout style. He's from Philadelphia, so I thought if they didn't sign Bryce Harper, maybe the Phillies would sign him, and that's a big enough market. And maybe just Trout likes hanging out on the West Coast. His family's maybe not close enough. I don't know if they've relocated out to L.A. His buddies aren't asking for tickets all the time if he was in the East. So from his standpoint, it probably makes a lot of sense. But I, I feel like asking Major League Baseball, 
Can you get him somewhere else? Can you get him to a major market team that's going to be in the playoffs every single year so that we can appreciate Mike Trout? He is today's one good thing. All right, and finally, it is time for the Caboose Pistol Podcast finale, podcast number 13. <laughs> the old caboose pistol. Everybody has one. <laughs> Did you say caboose? I know some women who could hide a machine gun in there. Yeah. All right, it's very simple. Three stories. You laugh, you'll cry, you'll tell all your friends about the caboose pistol finale. And again, if you don't know anything about the caboose pistol, why are they branding it the caboose pistol? What the hell is that? Just go to caboosepistol.com, go under the menu. It says, under the menu, it says about, about. If you're Canadian, it says about. If you're an American, it says about. You click on there and it will explain everything you need to know. This is how we finish every podcast. Podcast 13, no different. Phil Collins in the air tonight. Story number one is officially a hit single again, 39 years after its release. Now I'm a drummer, so we'll get into this in a second. You know what I'm talking about in the air tonight. The drum fill. Uh, a pair of twins from Gary, Indiana. They've got a spontaneous reaction to the uh, drum break, of course, and I call that a drum fill. That's what drummers call it. Uh, they call it a ballad here. The most memed song of the year, and we're in August, in the air tonight, currently sits at number three on the iTunes song sales chart, trailing only a couple of brand-new releases. Not a passing single-day phenomenon. Uh, numbers, according to Alpha da- uh, Data, show that In the Air Tonight was the fourth biggest-selling song of the week, ending August uh, 8th, up from 185 the week before. By the way, the twins, their names are Tim and Fred Williams and a twist in the trend. They have 350,000 subscribers. They react to songs they've never heard. I feel old 39 years ago. And here they are making Phil Collins more money. Okay. No. Twist in the trend. 350,000 subscribers on their YouTube channel. About a year old. They have reacted to Frank Sinatra, uh, Dust in the Wind by Kansas, Pantera, Rage Against the Machine, The Carpenters, Aha. They've only got, I think Aha only has the one song, Take On Me. Allman Brothers, Marvin Gaye, Queens of the Stone Age. Anyway, uh, very popular. Phil Collins makes more money. That is number one uh, in the air tonight up from 185 to 4 and making more money. As far as the the song itself is concerned, I'm not taking a shot at the song. It's a great song. But as a drummer for a lot of my life, it's a really easy fill, and it's not that big of a deal. By the way, the best... Okay, let me back up before I tell a a drum story. The fill is great. I'll do this. The fill is great. I'm not saying it's not. But it's not like in Stairway to Heaven where it's like... It's good. It's good. And it's, as those guys said, it's where it is in the song. And I, I, I defy you, I defy you to listen to that song and not air drum. It doesn't matter if you're driving down the freeway. It doesn't matter if you're on an icy road. It doesn't matter if you're flying off that icy road. You take your hands off the wheel, you do the air drumming, and then you worry about everything later. By the way, the most famous rendition of it, the first hangover, Mike Tyson, the guys are coming into the hotel room. They had stolen the tiger. You've seen the movie. You know. Who the hell are you? Who the hell are you? Quiet, quiet. Mike Tyson? This is my favorite part coming up right now. Oh, 
Mr. Tyson would like to know why is this tiger in your bathroom? <laughs> That's awesome. Go back and watch. Just go to YouTube like I did today, and I rewound it about three different times. The original Hangover. That seems amazing. Anyway, in the air tonight, up to number three. Thanks to these guys who review. That's what they do. And I'm sure they're making a great living off it. They review uh, songs, and it drives them right up the charts. Number two on the Caboose Pistol finale today. This is more Caboose Pistol-ish if you're new to the um, to the podcast. So this is the National Park Service. I saw this on Facebook today, NPS, National Park Service. And for some reason, I don't know if there's been a rash of bear sightings or bear maulings or whatever you call it, because what's happening apparently is people need to get out of their house because of the, uh, the coronavirus, COVID-19. And so they're getting out, they're going camping, and they feel like the National Park Service needs to re-release uh, what happens if you encounter a bear. So this is what they say. Please don't run from bears, or this is the key, push your slower friends in an attempt of saving yourself. As a follow-up to a previous post, if you come upon a stationary bear, move away slowly and sideways. This allows you to keep an eye on the bear and avoid tripping. Moving sideways is also non-threatening to bears. Do not, in caps, run. But if the bear follows, stop and hold your ground. Like dogs, they will chase fleeing animals. Do not climb a tree. Both grizzlies and black bears can climb trees. Do not push down a slower friend. And then it says in parentheses, even if you think the friendship has run its course. Now, And then it says stay calm, do all this kind of things. Hang on for a second. If it's you and the friend, now if it's a family member, especially if it's your wife, girlfriend, mom, uh, child, whatever, then yeah, I get it. Don't push your slower friend down. If it's a really good friend, don't push your friend down. If it's a younger friend in better shape and you've lived a pretty good life, don't push your friend down. But most of my friends are roughly in the same physical condition as I am. Uh, they are about the same age as I am. So let's say that it's me and a friend that's very close in age and we've lived similar lives. Can I push them down then? Because it's me or them. What do I do? What would you do? Are you the type of person, this tells me a lot about who you are. Are you the type of person that if a bear is chasing and you figure, you know what, I'm going to take the dive or I'm going to push them. If one of us can survive, it's going to be me or them. What would you do? Because to be honest with you, I think publicly you would say that you would, uh, you would take the dive yourself or you would give yourself up. But then privately, I think you would push me down because then no one would, no one would really know. I, you know what? I, he was slower. I tried, but I ran off and the bear got him even though you, you may have pushed them down. And by the way, there's video cameras everywhere now. If you're in the middle of the wilderness, maybe not, but it's, it, people find out all the time. Where, where was that damn camera? Jeez. Anyway, just a thought. And finally, number three, and I love that we're being able to play this cut. This is really why I have the story in there. Number three, summer penis is a thing. Yes, that's right. I said summer penis is a thing. Who knew? Now, we all know about shrinkage when it gets too cold, but summer penis is when it gets too hot. So we all know the shrinkage scene in Seinfeld. It just gives me an excuse to play that, and then I'll explain what summer penis, which is hot penis. This is cold penis shrinkage. I'll give you summer penis in a second. I was supposed to see her. She wasn't supposed to see me. <laughs> so what? Well, ordinarily, I wouldn't mind, but. But what? Well, I just got back from swimming in the pool. And the water was cold. Uh, you mean shrinkage? Yes. Significant shrinkage. So you, you feel you were shortchanged? Yes. I mean, if she thinks that's me, she's under a complete misapprehension. That was not me, Jerry. That was not me. What's the difference? What if she discusses it with Jane? Oh, she's not going to tell Jane. How do you know? Women aren't like us. They're yeah. worse. They're much worse than us. They talk about everything. Couldn't you at least tell her about the shrinkage fact? No, I'm not going to tell her about your shrinkage. Besides, I, I think women know about shrinkage. How do women know about shrinkage? Isn't it common knowledge? Elaine, Elaine, Elaine. Do women know about shrinkage? What do you mean, like laundry? No. Like when a man goes swimming afterwards? It shrinks? Like a frightened turtle. Why does 
a shrink. It just does. I don't know how you guys walk around with those things. <laughs> All right, so it's called Summer Penis. This is scientific. Scientific, right? So it gets very cold. We just heard what happens, you know. Uh, but when it gets hot, it says men specifically may also see an interesting change during a heat wave. Some men have previously claimed they've experienced a phenomenon known as quote unquote summer penis, where high temperatures cause the penis to appear bigger. I would like to live in a warm place where there's summer all the time, please. This, of course, is not to be confused with summer penile syndrome, where men suffer with itchy, painful bites in their genitals. We don't want that. Uh, the term summer penis coined by someone named Tracy Moore back in 2018. Experts have agreed that it is a real thing. And then it goes into the cold uh, outside your body, tries to maintain its internal heat. Therefore, things may appear to be more contracted. Blood vessels, blah, 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 blah. But when it's hot outside, the opposite happens, apparently. Uh, does not affect the overall size. Says when it's hot outside, you may take in more water, which may... With a combination with a sweating, make it appear like your body or skin is bloated, and that may give you the perception that things are, quote, unquote, according to science and the doctor, larger. But they say your penis is not growing. The only thing changing is the heat. Uh, in the heat is the way that it looks to you. Summer penis, tell all your friends. That is your Caboose Pistol finale. Summer penis is a thing. Who knew? National Park Service, please don't push down your slower friends. And in the air tonight is cool. Again, that is your Caboose Pistol finale. And that is Caboose Pistol podcast number 13. John Lund from KMBR Radio in San Francisco with you. Remember, CaboosePistol.com for more information and detail on all the stories. We've got videos up there. We have Caboose Pistol podcast, archives, stories, fun, all those things at CaboosePistol.com. At Caboose Pistol on Twitter, I'm John Lund from KMBR Radio. Weekdays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., at John Lund Radio on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and please tell all your friends and subscribe to the podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, where you find all of your fine podcasts. That is Caboose Pistol Podcast 13.